0: And uh, if you can stand, please, for reading the Word of God. Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, What you will put on. Is not life more than food, and a body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his life, to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? sufficient for the day its own trouble let's pray dear heavenly father we come to you this morning uh, with uh, a hungry heart and uh, desire to listen to you and you only i pray that you would uh, empty me completely and just uh, be present here today with your spirit that you would guide and teach and admonish and correct us this morning that we would be humble enough to accept uh, this message not only hear it but also apply it in our lives so that your kingdom may be uh, shining ever more brightly in this in this world in your name we pray amen please have a seat um, So just a brief recap of what we talked about last Sunday. We were talking about the kingdom of God, that uh, we have seen manifestations of it from the very beginning uh, in the Bible, Old Testament, all the way through Revelation, uh, that it's already here. John the Baptist, then Jesus Christ, when he came on the surface of of history in, in Galilee and Judea, he said, repent, because the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. The full consummation of the kingdom of God is uh, something that will happen in the future. And that is the reason why we have hope um, um, in the life to come. And you have Jesus here preaching uh, an amazing sermon uh, that a lot of uh, uh, people think this is just, this is all what Christianity is all about. But it's, it's not. It's that Christianity is, is a relationship between man and God uh, that only happen by god 's grace for his elect for his kingdom, uh, you start thinking about what Jesus preached about in the, in the sermon from the very beginning, and he started with the beatitude and um, and uh, also admonishing people to be salt and light. Uh, we mentioned that this is not a message for everybody at large. this is not a message that can be applied uh, as a piecemeal this, this part you can apply it here, this part can, can apply it there, even the beatitude themselves whether you count them as seven or eight or nine, it is not something that we can pick and choose which one will shine in our lives. It's, this is a message for the, for the people of God who are following Christ earnestly and seeking more of his, uh, of his wisdom on, on this mount. Uh, Jesus continues on to talk about uh, worry and anxiety. And he starts that section in, in chapter 6, like I read, with the word, therefore, and you know that there is something before that that would build, that is built on it to go to this section. Uh, But before that, um, as I mentioned, we're we're talking about anxiety, and and this is not something that is uh, um, rare in our society right now. There is a lot of uh, anxious people in the world, especially in in America. Um, Just brief statistics about anxiety in, in the United States. Uh, one in three adults in America in their lifetime will have um, struggle with anxiety disorder. Um, one in four adolescents, uh, sadly, also will be struggling with anxiety disorder. Those are statistics that people really seek medical attention. They seek medication. They seek counseling. Um, so the numbers are staggering. If you think about a major um, illness or disease disease, in the country, such as coronary artery disease, which is very common. It's in, in, a lot of people suffer from that. And the cost of taking care of those patients are, are astronomical. If you compare the cost of treating and taking care of anxiety in America is one third of coronary artery disease. And to me, that is a number that I had a hard time believing, but it's, it's true. There is um, a lot of data to support that. And if you think about a common disease such as asthma that a lot of people suffer from, to take care of anxiety in America, it costs three times more than taking care of asthma in this country. So I know we talk about epidemic, but I can tell you being in the medical field that there is an epidemic of anxiety and, and, and depression because uh, the world um, is, is hungry for the word of God, and a lot of people have chosen to um, block Christ out and block the gospel out of their lives, and that's uh, a direct result of this. Interestingly, the, in the Bible, the most common negative prohibition um, is fear not. It's not do not steal, do not be angry, do not murder. It's fear not. Jesus himself said, fear not, or do not be afraid, or do not worry, or do not be anxious. So many times um, uh, in his ministry, Um, When you um, consider the kind of types of anxieties that people have, um, and if you ask um, people in the medical field, maybe psychiatrists or psychologists, they will tell you that only a few people come to seek help with a very specific anxiety. But the most common anxiety is just vague angst in the soul of man that prompt them to seek medical attention. And it manifests in not just in, like, I'm anxious, but it manifests in a lot of bodily uh, symptoms as well. I find it very uh, interesting to know that it, it may take, if you need to see a psychiatrist in America, or even here in southwest Virginia, it may take you weeks, even months to, find, to get an appointment. And um, if you need to speak with a pastor about anxiety, it will take you probably a day or two. It just, it just tells me that people are seeking the, the, uh, the cure for anxiety, perhaps in the wrong place. Um, I was listening to R.C. Sproul recently, and he was, he was talking about a close friend of his who was a psychiatrist, and he actually seriously offered a job for R.C. Sproul to work with him because he tells him that I can help them a little bit, but I really know that the root cause of people's anxiety and depression and angst is deeper than what I can offer with a prescription or medication or chemicals. And um, it's always centered around guilt and sin overall. St. Augustine said, um, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. And it just capture this sentence captures the root of um, of the anxiety that we, that we struggle with, that our heart is not in Christ, in the Lord. So let's uh, jump right into the passage that we have, uh, starting with the first verse here in 20, uh, verse 25. As I mentioned, therefore actually builds on something prior to that. And what is just prior to that is Jesus talking about money and the treasure that we, uh, that we build. Where are our treasures? If you want to find where someone's treasure is, kind of live with them a little bit and see what they talk about uh, around uh, uh, lunch or dinner or what they talk about in their spare time, what they watch, what they read, and that tells you where their heart is. If, and vice versa, if you want to know where their heart is, figure out where tre- their treasure is. Are they, uh, are they laying up treasures in the kingdom of God or it's in the, in the material world? And Jesus says, you cannot serve two masters. It's impossible to be multitasking in the kingdom of God. It's either you are in the kingdom serving the master, like we said last Sunday. What is the kingdom? It is God's rule over God's people in God's place, enjoying God's blessings. You can't do that and still be outside of the kingdom. You can't have it both ways. Strong... And uh, and pretty stern language when he's talking about the money, and then starting at verse 25 to talk about anxiety, and the tone has more of a, I, I would say maybe a pastoral uh, tone than than what he's talking about. Knowing that Jesus knows that we will struggle with anxiety, and it's not just going to be a solution that will fix all. If I'm if I'm I'm here today not to provide a list of top 10 things that you can do to take care of your anxiety, or the five approaches that you need to do to address your anxiety. I don't think the Bible teaches that. The Bible teaches one message, and one message only, that is the gospel. And salvation is in Christ. And through Him, we can have the, the cure and overcoming our anxiety. So that's, that is the word, therefore. That's what it implies. And then it says, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Um, if you look at the, that word in Greek, it has a, maybe a broader meaning, not just uh, life, but it's, it means your, the, your very essence, who you are. Um, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. So right away, Jesus started talking about the big picture. Your life is not talking about just one department in your life, which is anxiety or the fear or the lack of uh, sleep, or whatnot. But he's talking about your life in general. Let me let me offer you a solution here. Let me offer you that solution here. Um, in in essence, Jesus is saying that if you if you were to address this, you need to let me be the, the captain of your life. If your life is a ship, I don't want to be just a passenger in that ship. I want to be on the bridge, captaining that ship. If I'm if your life is a plane, I don't want to be just a passenger. In that plane and just giving suggestions or recommendations when the life gets a little bit tough. But I want to be in the cockpit leading that plane and this life. Um, I was initially surprised that Jesus is here talking about just the eating, the drinking, and the clothes. And you would think those are kind of a given thing, especially in our society. We have plenty here. Having lived in in Africa, or you can call it the Middle East, and also um, lived a few uh, maybe a few mission trips in Asia, I can tell you we have a lot here in America, and we we have abundance, and perhaps that may be one reason why we are anxious because we want to guard and protect what we have. But for the audience that Jesus Christ was preaching to in that passage that is what their life was. It's about simple peasant life, what you eat, what we will drink, what we will put on. And if you kind of extrapolate from that Jesus' message today to us and to the people in general, it probably will not be just what we eat, what we drink, what we put on, because uh, perhaps that's not what is keeping us up at night, what I, what shirt I will have tomorrow. I mean, you. I can, I can tell you if you look at my closet, I have so many clothes and it's plenty. I think that's probably uh, maybe common in, in most American households. But in a 2022 environment, what would Jesus say to you and me about what our worries are? If those simple peasant folks who had urgent and pressing needs, yet it looked simple to us What are the pressing needs that we have today, whether it be relationships, children, education, jobs, health, the situation in in the world in general, the politics, war, disease. It's amazing when uh, when you talk to people who have serious real anxiety disorder and you start asking them questions, it always boils down to, Vagueness. There is no, as I said, there's nothing to can exactly pinpoint why am I anxious. Uh, but they are. They they have a lot of physical ailment that reflects that. They are unable to sleep. They are unable to function. They, they lose uh, work. Uh, but the anxiety there is, is sincere and it's true. The word anxious in Greek means uh, mirim now. Um, and it's really not just Encompassing anxiety, but also burdens, cares, struggles, and trouble. Jesus, here, when he says, Do not worry about what you will eat, what you will drink, he's basically telling us today do not worry about the small challenges or the small needs. Do not worry about the bigger needs. Do not worry about the inward needs. Do not worry about the outward needs. Don't worry about needs that you see it in yourself. Don't worry about needs that people around you may see. Don't worry about your needs, period. And you may wonder, probably the people who listen to this message wonder why. Why not worry? Why not uh, be concerned about these basic needs? Well, first, because he knows them. Because Jesus Christ himself... The ultimate master preacher himself is enumerating those needs and he's actually telling them one by one what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. So he knows it. He actually enumerated them in that passage. That's why we need not worry. Why not worry? Because he said so, because he commanded us not to be anxious, but also because he supplies all of our needs. If you uh, turn to me to Philippians four nineteen, it says, "My God, and my God will supply every need of yours." And here is the best news: according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus, it is not according to how important or not that important the need is. It's not according to how fervently we will, we will pray, even though we, are, we ought to pray and make our needs known to God, even though He knows them, but that's what He commanded. But it's according to His riches in glory. Just think about all your needs, put them in a list, and compare that list, no matter how big or daunting or difficult it is, to the glory of Christ Himself. And you have the answer right there and then. Jesus, when he was talking, he did not um, just preach that and didn't actually demonstrate his authority over everything in our lives. Jesus himself, with his voice, made the blind see in Matthew 9. He made the lame walk in Matthew 11. And he quieted the storm with the command of his voice, of his word in Matthew 8. And he, with a word, raised Lazarus from the dead after being dead for four days in John 11. This is the same Savior, the same master, who is talking about anxiety and saying, Do not be anxious. That's the same voice, the same word. The same master, so we ought to take his word seriously. Luke 12 verse 32 says, "Fear not, little flock, for your father was pleased to give you the kingdom of God. so if he's going to give us as an inheritance the kingdom of God, how much more will he supply all of our other needs? He also said, "Peace I give, I give you." My peace I leave with you. Um, If we uh, open together Psalm 139, I think the whole Psalm is just amazing. Describe uh, how we are formed by God, that He knows each and every detail. Within us. Uh, But we can uh, focus on verses 13 to 16. Jesus Himself, God incarnate, who is preaching and talking about anxiety, is also here uh, spoken of in this psalm, starting from verse 13 For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. This is the Heavenly Father who's telling us not to be anxious. I think one of the dangers of being a, a church goer without having a true, genuine relationship with Christ, being planted in His kingdom, is that we grow, I get, I guess, used to or callous to a lot of the truth in the Bible. A lot of the times when we hear these passages, "Do not be anxious; God will supply." God has formed us in our in our mother's womb and He knit us together very carefully and very intricately, we kind of hear that and not um, chew on the Word a little bit. We don't... Um, we kind of believe it, but kind of believe in God. Do we really believe God? Do, do we take Jesus and, and God at His Word in the Bible? I think that's, to me, is... Foundational um, in terms of addressing our anxieties and our cares. It becomes almost like a hobby of going to church, reading the Bible, and not um, going deeper into the truth that is before us and before our eyes. You can believe in God, even demons do, but we need to believe God. And I think that's foundational in addressing our anxiety. There's an illustration of a of an old man who uh, was always at peace, always, he just looked peaceful all the time in the church. And uh, no matter what difficulties he's facing, um, he didn't exude any worry or anxiety. And people around him were asking, why are you always peaceful? Why Why are you never troubled or anxious? And he basically said, because every night I turn all my worries to God. He's gonna be up all night anyway. And I think this is important for us as we start thinking about our worries and anxieties of the day, what we need to do, what our needs are. We kind of keep rehashing them over and over in our minds. But we need to make that step from just rehashing them and thinking about them in our mind about some ideas and thought into actually bringing it to God. This is our worry list you cross off the word worry and just say prayer list this is your prayer list for the day or for the for the hour or for or for the month or for the week have another contrasting example um, of a couple um the man was did not have anxiety issues the wife did she was always anxious always uh nervous about one specific thing about uh, fearing that someone is going to break into the house one night and will she will be hurt or the husband will be hurt and they will stole everything. And um, and no matter how much the husband tried to kind of calm her down, it just wouldn't work out. And she's always anxious and always having trouble sleeping. And then one night, actually, they heard some noise in the kitchen and the husband, of course, walked down to see who's, who is it that it's in the kitchen. And it actually was a burglar, someone breaking in and And the man um, said, "Well, hello. Um, please uh, go upstairs with me. I want to introduce you to my wife. She's been waiting for you for many, many years. <laughs> um, big contrast it's kind of funny, but it's, but it's also tells us that we have this tendency to just wear wear ourselves out with things that may never happen we never bring it to the altar before god in prayer and we keep thinking about it over and over and over again i hope that we we reflect the first example not not the not the second one moving on back again to our passage going back to uh moving to verse 26 <clears throat> It says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. The word look in Greek means uh, not just look or just take a look at it, but actually observe fixedly. And it, it means discern clearly. It's an invitation from Jesus to start taking our eyes off our anxieties and worries and cares and needs to look at something bigger because we have a bigger God and that's where our attention should be. So you move your eyes from eye to the to the sky where, where the birds are. I have never or... I've never seen a bird or a sparrow holding uh, a seed dispenser or a shovel before. I don't know if about you, but that will never happen and you will never see because God takes care of them. I've never seen an anemic-looking bird or uh, emaciated birds. Sometimes I do, but mostly not. I know that it's, uh, their, their needs are supplied every single day, and I don't think they, they worry about what they will eat the next day. Here in 26, it says, uh, they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns. The sowing, the reaping, and the gathering, that's pretty much all their entire life activity. And they, Jesus here says that none of their life activity is under their control. It's all supplied to them. And I think that's intentional from Jesus telling us that nothing in your life is really in your own command and in your own control. He is totally sovereign. Not only that, he will also fully meet all these needs for the birds. He doesn't supply step number one and check out. He doesn't say, well, they will not read, but they're going to have to gather. No, he is actually supplying the entire needs for them from A to Z. Uh, Looking at Psalm 8, verse 3. You don't have to turn that. I will read it out uh, to you. Psalm 8, verse 3 and 4. It says, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Um, A lot of uh, secular... Uh, behavioral medicine, psychology stuff, does actually capture this in their therapy. Which, and they call it nature therapy. We, I guess everybody knows that if you, are, uh, if you have anxiety or, or, or depression, going out and beyond yourself and focusing on the beauty of the nature that God has created does something good to you, to your soul. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Stop focusing on your own needs and start looking beyond those and outside of those. Moving back to uh, our passage in the same verse 26. Are you not of more value than they? And Jesus here comparing the value of man, of his children, to the birds in the sky. If he's going going to provide for the birds, how much more will he provide for us? There are so many scriptures in the Bible that talks about the value of God's children. And that's precisely why now he's saying, your heavenly father. That is our identity. If you look at uh, Isaiah 43, verse 4, it says, Because... You are precious in my eyes, and honored, and I love you. This is God's word to the nation of Israel, and we, we here as his church and the new Israel, that also applies to us. We are precious in his eyes. We are honored, and we are loved by God. In Acts 20, uh, Paul was admonishing uh, the people, saying, Be shepherds. I believe it's to the church of uh, Ephesians be shepherds of the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. This is the value that we have. This is the, if, if, there is a, if there is a price tag on you and I, that is, would be the price of Jesus Christ's blood himself. And that is a precious price. Going on to verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life I think um, when you look at the example Jesus chose here as a span of life and other translations uh, the height of man or the how how many cubit feet or cu- cubits you will add to your height by being anxious or being uh, uh, worried about about your life he's basically choosing things that are completely out of our control. We have zero contribution to our to our span of life, to our height. And that tells us that God is fully sovereign. He is in total control. He will own the path, and he will also own the results. He's sovereign over all. Overall. And that is my challenge to all of us today. Are we taking that word uh, seriously? Are we... Um, truly believing in the sovereignty of God. If you look at uh, Westminster Confession of Faith uh, in chapter 3, it starts this way. God, from all eternity, did by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will, freely and immutably ordain, listen to this, whatsoever comes to pass. Freely And immutably, without a change, he ordained whatsoever comes to pass. In in Colossians, the first uh, chapter talks about the sovereignty of God and who Christ is. He is, uh, we'll turn to that quickly here. Colossians one, and this passage is uh, titled "The Preeminence of Christ." Uh, starting from verse fifteen, he is the image of the invisible God, the first firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him, and for him, for he is before all things and in him all things hold together. This is the savior that we worship and we call our king over our kingdom today. R.C. Sproul uh, talks about the sovereignty of God and says that there is not a single maverick molecule in this universe. If there is one molecule that is totally free, not under the sovereignty of God, then the sovereignty of God is not complete. But there is not a single molecule in this world that does not yield to God's sovereignty. So are you, are you resting today in His sovereignty? Or are you troubled by it? Are you nervous by it? Are you able to, uh, to surrender your life to Jesus and trust that He has 100% of the result of everything that we are anxious or worry about? Or are you paralyzed by the what ifs every single day? I have to admit that uh, I struggle with, with anxiety and what ifs. And I think if you ask my wife, she will tell you more about that. Uh, I always think about the worst case scenario about what may happen. Maybe, maybe, maybe tr- being trained in a medical field, trying to make sure that we don't miss the big catastrophic stuff. But apparently, um, it's uh, this term made its way to the like behavioral medicine jargon, catastrophizing, I guess. If someone who is always going to see the psychiatrist because all of his worries, like what if this happened? If, we, if I don't do this, this, or I don't do that, that's where all my anxieties are. So I pray that we would not be um, that person today that would always worry about the what-ifs and leave and trust God and his sovereignty to take control of our life. There was a man that was... Uh, going on a flight, the weather was not that great, but the flight was going ahead anyway, waiting for hours until the flight is taken, uh, taken off, but starting to get nervous, pacing in the airport, and uh, he see uh, an office for life insurance. It wasn't very expensive, it was pretty cheap. So he ended up actually buying life insurance because what if, what if something happens? You know, I have a life insurance, but I want another one. I'm not saying life insurance is, not, is bad in itself. But um, he gets life insurance, feels better, walks around still a couple more hours before the flight and he goes to a Chinese restaurant in the airport and eat. They always give you this fortune cookie with the Chinese food. And he opens it and says that uh, your recent investment will pay great dividends soon. (laughs) Um, So be be very careful. Be very very careful of the what ifs because it can cripple and paralyze you. Moving on to verse 28 here. And why are you anxious about clothing? Have you noticed that again? Why are you anxious again? I I, I think Jesus knows exactly that our anxieties, if if we address it today and we feel at peace, I know that another wave will come and a third one will come. And it will be a constant battle with our fears, our anxieties. And that's precisely why Jesus, in this brief passage, mentioned, do not be anxious. Why are you anxious? Over and over again. He understands our concerns. The word consider here in verse 28, it says, consider the lilies. Consider, uh, again, sometimes the English translation doesn't serve the deeper meaning of the word, but it, it means... Pay close scrutiny to the lilies. Meditate on them. Learn thoroughly about them. And I I believe Jesus is not talking about just the lilies only, but in general, looking outside, again, of our own anxiety and worries, and looking at God-made nature around us, can provide uh, perspective around our anxieties. So if you look at the approach that Jesus is taking right now, it may sound to a secular world today very foolish and very um, out of touch and very harsh and callous. Jesus himself is talking about uh, different kingdoms here. He's talking about kingdom of the world, kingdom of darkness, and, and God's chosen people in his kingdom as he's talking about our heavenly father. Um, The secular world will will try to address anxiety by asking us to work more, focus more, maybe buy more insurance, maybe have more protection, have more money, maybe build more facade, maybe forcing folks to start getting uh, used to certain medications or substances. That is the answer of the world. This is you can call that anthropology. It's man-centered, everything about man. But Jesus here is offering a very different, very different approach, at odds with the world, by looking at the nature and learning from the nature and what God created in it. By not focusing on myself. By trusting God and His sovereignty. By knowing who formed you, who made you. Um, Every cell in your body, every gland in your body, every, uh, every hormone that may have control over anxiety that we study in medicine, he has created all that and he knows that. And he doesn't know it on a, in a general sense, but he knows it in an individual sense. He knows what your struggles are and he's not bailing out. He's actually here to offer the cure. Jeremiah 10 Verse 23 says, I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself, that it's not in man who walks to direct his steps. Psalm 127, verse 1 says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. You look at verse 29, uh, moving on to verse 29 now, it says, Yes, I tell you, or yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. First impression, once you look at this verse, you think this is, that cannot be true. That must be uh, hyperbole. It's not It's not literal. Uh, knowing... The wealth of Solomon and how much he possessed. Uh, Solomon was full of wisdom, he was full of richness, his, his kingdom was rich. In fact, silver in his time was worthless. It was like it didn't, it wasn't, wasn't worth anything. People would throw it away. Uh, the cups where he drinks water was pure gold. Uh, one of the queens, Queen of Sheba, who came to visit him, uh, the Bible says that. When she saw all the majesty, all the, all the glory, all the richness, she, was, she lost her breath. She couldn't say anything because it was just so magnanimous. With all this beauty that Second Chronicles 9 describe about Solomon and his kingdom and how majestic it looked, it's nothing compared to what we have here in verse 29. And we have to take Jesus at his word. It is not figure of speech here, it's actually literal. Even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. I haven't studied plants a whole lot. I'm sure some, especially younger folks studying science about what, the, the, how, what, what makes a flower and all the intricate details of what makes a flower a flower and how it pollinates and all that. Uh, but I try to study just a little bit, just to be obedient to the word because it says, "Consider the lilies." So I need to consider the lilies a little bit to see what they actually made of. And it's just, and, and you're talking about just one tiny little piece of nature that God has created, and it blows your mind. And if you study medicine or anywhere in healthcare, you know that uh, sometimes you think, like, how can anyone study medicine? and come come out with saying that there is no God. I don't get it, I still don't get it. If you study just one tiny piece of tissue in one organ, in one system within your body, you are, it can take you years to fully understand and still, still don't get to the bottom of it. And still when you think you have reached the end of it, the next year, aha, there was a mistake here. Let's just correct that. Something else came up and our theory is wrong. This is the new science. Jesus today is saying that I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his majesty has been arrayed in the beauty that we have in nature here. The, the complexity of what he has created tells us that he's a he's a he's a God who actually takes delight in all these details. That's very intentional, very purposeful. And if he knows and created all these details and knows and created all the details of your body from every aspect in your brain to your feet, He has created those, then He would know how to address your anxieties and all your needs. Let's move on to verse 30. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith so all of a sudden now Jesus is kind of creating a three layer idea in our head first Solomon in all his glory that's beautiful that's great that was magnanimous in his days but that's below or beneath the beauty of the lilies but wait there is more there is a third layer which is you and I children of his kingdom that we are the people of the covenant and he's delighted to, to give us much more and provide much more and close with much more than what Solomon and the lilies have been able to accomplish. When you look at all oh, you of little faith, it's uh, now Jesus is getting even closer to the root of this, closer, closer to the root of anxiety. It's not the superficial treatment, but it's the deeper root, which is the unbelief. And that's what it comes down to. Um, I'm always amazed at uh, when, we, when we pray and earnestly ask God uh, to forgive our sins, how come we are not remembering every single sin that we have done in the last week or months? Many. There's so many. It would crush us. In His mercy, He doesn't do that. He can. He can overwhelm you. If, you, if you're saying, God... I'm here to ask for forgiveness. I, I, I repent of my sin. If he were to just overwhelm you with all the sins that we have accomplished, it would, it would break us down. It, we just cannot stand it. Just like we cannot stand his holiness. When Isaiah walked in the temple, he just immediately realized how sinful and wretched he is. So it is time for us to make, make sure that we are not just addressing the problem, but actually getting all the way to the root. And that's why the secular world will not offer a solution for anxiety. They're offering band-aids. I can tell you that for sure. And maybe that's why this psychiatrist asked for a pastor to be with him because he cannot, he cannot offer, he cannot get to the root of the unbelief, perhaps. How much more, this, this phrase or this term that Jesus used here, it's a, it's a very common Jewish debate tool that uh, give you kind of a contrast between something now and something else, and then inserting how much more in the middle. If he is going to take care of those lilies that will today be here and tomorrow will be burnt, how much more will he provide for his children? And you see now starting not just to get to the root of the unbelief, but also another root of solution, which is, your heavenly father. All of a sudden I'm talking about your heavenly father. Because this is who you are. This is what your identity is. Right. Romans 8 verse 32. He who did not spare him. His own son. But gave him up for us all. How will he not also. With him. Graciously give us all things. Moving on to verse 31. Again he says. Therefore. Therefore. Do not be anxious. I know I said it twice, but I'm going to say it one more because I know it's not easy. I know it comes in waves. It's a serious issue. Every time when you hear it, repeated three times or more, you know this is a solemn and serious issue at hand that Jesus is discussing with his disciples and uh, the people that listen with him on the mount here. Verse 32. For the Gentiles... Seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And here it is again. I don't know if I mentioned that in the last sermon or not, but when you talk about the kingdom of God, there has to be some line of demarcation between the kingdom of God and what is outside the kingdom of God. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot be in the kingdom and outside of the kingdom. You cannot be that. You cannot do that. There is a line of demarcation. If you out here on Main Street, there is two states sharing one street. The law and the rules in one are different than the other. And we saw that in the pandemic, I believe, when some restaurants were allowed to open and some are not, different and stark approach to uh, some rules. And that's what Jesus is saying here, the Gentiles seek after that. If you seek after that, then what is the difference between you and people who are not of the kingdom? And then in verse 33, he get to another area of the main main point that he wanted to drive home. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek here in Greek means pursue, search for, even demand and desire. And when you look at the word first, Uh, Some may be tempted to think it's, well, there is a first, and maybe there is a second, and there is a third. But here, first in Greek means proto or protos, which basically prime in importance. It's not like, okay, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then when you have more time, here it is, number two. Focus on this, and then let me give you number three, because those are important. No, seek first. This is of utmost importance, and everything else will pale in comparison. To that, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all the things will be added to you. I'll close with this uh, uh, brief story of a a man who went to a far land to adopt uh, a child to him and to his family. And after adopting the child, the child's growing and and having wonderful relationship. Uh, he bring this uh, jigsaw puzzle, which. Uh, my kids will tell you, I have no patience usually to spend the whole time fixing those, but they do. God bless them. But he brings this difficult jigsaw puzzle that has the entire world in it, and it's very difficult for the kid to actually figure it out on his own. And he's working on it very diligently, trying, really trying to get it together, and it's just not, not fitting together. It should be interlocking very securely, and every time he tries, it's going to fold apart. And the father decided to help the kid, but not actually moving the pieces with him, still let him, letting him do that, but figuring out a solution. And he came, came up with a solution of, since that child knows his father so well, he put a picture of himself, the father himself, on the other side of the jigsaw puzzle and asked him to figure that, fix that. And it was very easy because the son knew his father very well and he knew uh, the look of his face, his eyes, his 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 hair his cheeks his head he studied his father he was able to quickly put together the picture of his father in the jigsaw puzzle and then he asked his son to turn it the other way and behold the entire jigsaw puzzle of the world is coming together just perfectly for the son and i think that's what jesus is trying to tell tell me first before anyone else that it's not about the needs he will take care of the needs. He knows them. He, he knows them more than we do. He knows them before we ask them. But the point is, if you are in the kingdom, if you are a child of the kingdom, you need to be in the presence of God all the time. And your pursuit would be His face, like we mentioned last Sunday, living all of life, quorum Dei. So it's all of life, It's not just the major parts of life. When Jesus said all of Christ to all of life, he's addressing everything, even our inner worries and anxieties and fears. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are a God of wisdom and knowledge. Thank you because you are on the throne. Thank you because you are a king who is merciful to your people. Lord, we pray today that we would understand this passage in a different way so much so that we actually understanding the essence of the kingdom of God, that it's it's all about the king and his glory and his majesty. May we... Change our focus today, not on things of this world and the worries and the needs, but on you and seek your face and seek your presence in our lives each and every single day. Amen.